1: Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of AusBiz. Our goal at Ausbiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter, or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening.
0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the COB. It is the 29th of March, 2021.
1: I'm Nadine Blaney. So good to be here with you for the COB. And I'm here with Annette Beecher. How are you, Annette? I can't believe it's the 29th (laughs) of March. We've got month end, quarter end, Japanese year end. There's all sorts of things mucking around the markets at the moment.
0: There sure is. We'll get to the local market in just a sec. Um, As we sort of came off air today, let's say that, we saw a breaker coming from Credit Suisse saying that it has seen a highly significant material impact in the first quarter from a U.S.-based hedge fund loss. So saying that Credit Suisse is in the process of exiting positions after the fund failed to meet margin commitments, premature to quantify the exact size of loss resulting from the exit, and it will provide a matter uh, or an update on the matter in due course. That sounds to me like Credit Suisse is addressing those block, those big block the um, big sales. block
1: trades because yeah. we know what the stocks are was you know, Viacom, like pretty mm-hmm. big names here. They we're, we're not talking game stock here. Uh, and so it's an interesting one to find out, you know, who was who was margin called, why could they not meet the requirements and why was such a big trade needed? I mean, didn't it slash their market cap by half or something.
0: Yeah, but now there's been lots of analysis done saying that, well, these companies that uh, saw those big blocks go through were – So overvalued. I mean, the valuations were eye-watering. Discovery, Viacom, AMC selling off. You know, we had Viacom being paused due to the volatility on Friday. So we'll be watching this one as the U.S. session comes to life to see if there's any further commentary. It did did consume a bit of headspace today out there in markets.
1: It did, but it wasn't a big contagion. I mean, from what we just heard, U.S. futures are down sort of half a percent. I mean, that's not a risk-off contagion positioning Mm -hmm. so far.
0: Where it was risk off today, that was here. Here. Get all down under
1: grown risk off. Thank you, coronavirus, and thank you, three-day Brisbane lockdown, including schools. Uh, and yeah. we are sliding into school holidays, so that's probably thrown a lot of people's plans into disarray. And when you compare that our stock market corrected today when everyone else seemed to do okay, that does tell you that that's our very own risk-off session.
0: We saw Flight Center, we saw WebJet losing significant ground. I'm just checking in on corporate travel management. Uh, Yeah, all pressure coming through. Qantas off by close to a percentage point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the uncertainty that still is out there. I mean, we are doing so—you don't need me to tell you—so much better, comparatively speaking, than most parts Mm. of this world. But
1: it is throwing that very slow vaccine rollout into the spotlight. Let's face it; I mean, but you know what? Here's a thought:
0: maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe maybe it would get the conversation. Mm. And I'm not even talking from a policy perspective, but. I fear that because we've done so well, that there was a little bit of uh, complacency when, it, in terms of actually getting the vaccine.
1: I'm sure those chief medical officers were saying, look, you know, there is no rush. We can do it properly because there is no emergency. And here we are in a lockdown that probably wouldn't have happened had we got a little bit more aggressive on that vaccine rollout.
0: Hard to say, but... Uh, You know, hopefully there's a silver lining in this at the end of the day. uh, We saw Iluca Resources, the best performing company today. It got an upgrade from JP Morgan, upgraded to overweight, Price target lifted a pretty decent 23% to $8.10. We had a number of the resources plays obviously outperforming today because of what happened in New York and um, general optimism, I suppose, when it comes to the economic recovery.
1: Yeah, commodities had a great session and compounded by a slightly weaker US dollar as well. So we actually had a positive session in the first hour or so of trade because of that commodity play but then yes, once we started talking about lockdowns uh, and schools and school holidays, all the enthusiasm left the sectors except for resources.
0: When it comes to the economic recovery, when it comes to lockdowns, if you think hospitality, if you think tourism, it's all happening as we see JobKeeper coming to an end what's your What's your current state of thinking on the roll off of JobKeeper?
1: The JobKeeper has actually had a couple of steps down and so we've already had an introduction to less income support uh, in the COB today. My view is, I do think JobKeeper is a bit of a Y two K event. We've been hitting the the panic button. A um, 100, 150,000 jobs, you know, potentially lost, but we've actually put those jobs and more into the workplace in the last couple of months. So I think the economy is well-placed to look after the handful of people that are left that haven't looked for jobs elsewhere. The only thing I think that was a bit of a miss from the government is that lift in Job Seeker was appalling from $40 a day to $44 a day. I think they could have done a little better than that. And I think a lot of people,
0: a lot of voters would probably say the same. Yeah. So especially that, was, in that this wasn't environment. A,
1: that wasn't a good one uh, we, we have to say and the authorities at this stage like Treasury RBA all said the economy should be well placed to absorb uh, these jobs these job seekers but let's not forget there's a lot of savings in the bank a lot of people were overpaid job keeper so they can draw down on those savings as they look for employment elsewhere so there's still plenty of cushions out there to to help those still impacted by job losses. Well, the economy
0: and how it's going really largely determines how Australian corporates are going as well. If you'd like to get a read on some of the companies that you need to be thinking about as we head into this uh, end of month and, 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 you know, shortened trading week, we've got a link to an interview that we did with Julia Lee from Berman Invest, another company that came under pressure today, Treasury Wine Estates. But uh, when I spoke with both Scott Phillips and Niv Dagen about Treasury wine estates, they said, "Look, the market already knew this information about the tariffs in terms of China. The market already knew that they could last for about five years. So if you look at the damage that's been done for the Treasury share price, it could actually be a buying opportunity. I'll let them explain it to you. Those interviews are accessible, as I said, via the show notes. Uh, That brings me to stock of the day, Annette. Austell ASB is the ticker code. It began construction on a new steel shipbuilding facility Mm -hmm. in Alabama, what better reason to talk to our expert guests about this one? Kashi sat down with Mason Samasandram from Deep Data Analytics, Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor. Here's what they had to say about
2: Austal. All the signs are actually starting to improve. And I have to say, this is counter to what the market is doing at the moment. I would say you don't want to go pick the bottom, uh, but look, it's, co- it's come back away. you know, if you look at compared to what happened in the uh, pandemic crash as well, it's lower than that. Um, most of the analysts have actually started to tick up the numbers. The fact that it's counter-cyclical and not linked to the economy, it actually works for me in this current market. I think if they get a few things right, this could move, and I would actually start to buy a bit here. Okay. One of the issues with, with Austal, in fact, all defence contractors, is when you're supplying the American Defence Department, they insist on having um, some spare capacity always held. Um, so, you're never running your factories at full tilt, you're never at full efficiency, and your returns yeah. on capital can never be as good as they would be if you're supplying the private sector. In return for that, you get surety and you get um, perhaps some pricing benefits as well. So, there's a, there's a trade off to be had there. Um, this is a much improved business, it's been a disaster for much of its existence. but. What they're doing now, and, and I should add, there is a well-bidding technology here. I, I think this is worth watching. The valuation looks interesting. I can see what management is trying to do, and it makes sense. Executing in a very large business like this with, um, with, 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 with a powerful customer base is not easy. But um, I would watch this, and I would watch for how, um, how their maintenance contracts um, fall to the bottom line. Yeah.
0: So that's a buy from... Nathan, but it is only a watch and wait from Gorav So, Annette, you know the rules. That's not going in the portfolio.
1: Nope, not good enough. Not convincing enough. Not this convincing, stage. but that but, but sounds like
0: maybe, maybe it's not too far away from the Ozbiz portfolio. Our friends at NAB Trade are bringing you that one and you can catch up with its performance via our website. Another, well, there's not really top tier data out tonight. There's a manufacturing read from the Dallas no, Fed.
1: Only a, only a Dallas PMI. Um, they are surprising to the upside and we always dig deep into the prices paid and they're always like 1980s highs, 1970s highs. So if we hear that, I think us got to the stage where it's like that's now as expected. So I think the shock value there is not so much.
0: We will be joined by Jonathan Payne from The Payne Report. He is our guest host from 11 to 12 a.m. tomorrow. And that's going to be a fun
1: fun hour right there.
0: We will be also speaking with uh, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool, Mark Moreland from Team Invest for The Call. Chad Cicchiarelli is head of business development at Amazon, and he's going to be joining the team on Startup Daily. And just as a PS, we spoke with Johan Falls, equity analyst at Morningstar, mm-hmm. about Amazon. And it's. It's uh, straight coming. Yeah, but it was so. F- when Amazon first entered Australia, we talked this thing to death. I used to say we were doing all of Amazon's advertising for it. Yeah. Didn't really make a big splash when it first came, but it, I, it I gather didn't. he's saying it's.
1: Yeah, the- that was the interesting thing. When it first hit, we also had the same discussion, but let's face it online sales were only 5% of sales back then. And so a lot of the analysts came back and said, look, it's it'll make a difference at the margin. Well, bring in COVID and now everyone is shopping online. So it's, it's a much bigger disruptor this time around than it was when it first hit the times. Right.
0: Okay, so if you'd like to listen to that interview for a bit more detail and what retailers could be hurt, hindered or even potentially boosted by Amazon being in Australia and getting its act together. You can listen to that via the show notes. Listen, I think we should give it a wrap. Annette,
1: nice chat. Happy Monday.
0: (laughs) We'll see you tomorrow morning. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.